my dear ones, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with My Higher Self. We have an exciting topic to cover today. We are going to be talking about the air elementals. Before we dive in, a couple of housekeeping items. First things first, thank you for everyone who reached out, um, sent me a DM on Instagram after my previous episode. I'm glad you enjoyed it and very much noted on the episodes that you are requesting. So thank you for the feedback. You know who you are. Secondly, if you haven't gotten my book, 72 Keys for Manifestation, An Ancient Path of a Modern Day Alchemist, I think you should. I have started getting feedback from people who have completed reading the book and the feedback has been beautiful. I'm happy. I'm thrilled that you guys are seeing so much progress in your lives. Um, I'm not that that wasn't expected, but it's always nice to know that you acknowledge it and recognize it. And, you know, I'm really excited about your life's shifting so much. Um, this book is a journey. You know, it's really a journey of 72 steps. Unfortunately, you can skip them, although you can read them in random order. And it is meant to be completed. Um, the 72 steps are meant to be completed. But once that happens, it really alchemizes and transforms your life. So if you haven't checked it out, you should. It's available on Amazon. And last but not least, if you haven't checked out my second podcast called Our Sacred Universe, you should. There are a lot of new meditations up and coming, and some of them have to do with elementals. So if you're curious, um, a lot of really, really amazing content is coming on that front. That being said, why don't we dive right in? We have a very rich topic today. Frankly, I am worried I may not be able to cover the entirety of the topic in just one episode, so we'll take it as it comes. Um, you know, I want to keep this episodes manageable for you in terms of length, uh, and we shall see when we need to do a second one on the air elementals. Cool. So why don't we dive right in? Okay. So one of the technical terms to describe the air elementals is the sylphs. Now, granted, um, it is not necessarily the most ideal term, but this one, again, we owe to Paracelsus, um, who was an alchemist in the Middle Ages, and he was the, let's say, one of the more recent humans um, who produced a fairly convincing ontology and classification of the elementals. So we will go uh, with his classification. There is so much misinformation um, on the face of planet Earth around elementals in general. Um, a lot of lapses in classification, if I say so myself. But more importantly, um, the, infor the information that does exist is incomplete. And so um, it. I I'm really excited to be talking to you about this topic today because... Sometimes transforming our life starts with transforming our relationships with one of the elemental classes and of the different types of elementals that we're going to be discuss discussing. The element of air is one of the more important ones. There's only so long you can live without taking a breath. Um, and that should give you a proxy of how important these creatures are and building a relationship with them is in your life. Now, whether you realize it or not, you all have a relationship with these creatures, whether that is a positive one or a negative one, I think is, is a big question. Now, there are some pointers that you may have around understanding what those relationships, what the relationship that you have is with the air elementals. Um, for example, um, chances are if you're doing a lot of breath work, um, you are, you have improved your relationship with elementals. Um, if you have a lot of house plants, it also happens to be really, really correlated with your relationship with elementals. How so? Um, air elementals love clean air, duh, because that you know, essentially they represent that medium. And so they like all the things that purify the air and dislike all the things that pollute the air, right? So people 
who um, like to, you know, open their windows and make sure that the fresh air is available in their houses, people that, um, again, have a lot of houseplants that purify the air, people that have air purifiers tend to have a better relationship with the air elementals. Um, and then, of course, there is the reverse um, of that as well. But why don't we take it one step at a time? And why don't we talk about the first class of air elementals? And as we look at the different types of elementals, I'm going to go ahead and tell you and give you kind of like factoids about the classes as a whole. So the first type of air elemental I wanted to talk to you about today is the wind. Kind of um, almost obvious, right? Why wouldn't we start with the wind? Um, however, not all wind is created equal. Um, there is a whole range of wind elementals out there. There are some that are considered senior in status, others that are considered uh, mid-level, and then there are your junior wind elementals. Um, why don't we start from the top um, and see what, we, what else we have time for? So when we are trying to comprehend the types of wind elementals, probably the most important and the easiest classification I could offer you is identifying the wind by the direction it is blowing from. So essentially, as far as high level, um, high wind elementals are concerned, there are four. You have your north wind, you have your south wind, east wind, and your west wind. In the old times, when humanity was really adept at building relationships with elementals, every human took the time to understand each of the wind elementals, to pay homage to their energy, as well as, you know, very often humans would call in on a particular type of wind in order to achieve their worldly goals. This is very much a forgotten practice. Um, this is not even, I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty much the, the realm of unknown as I scan the human collective. So I figured we'd start reinvigorating this. In order to understand what each wind um, can help you with, you need to understand a little bit about their personality. Why don't we start with the North Wind? The North Wind is the elder of the brothers. All the winds are actually masculine spirits. Um, and the North Wind is almost like the grandfather of the winds. I hate to say, to say this. He is much, much older looking um, than the rest of them. Um, very often, you know, if he would appear to you in meditation or otherwise, you would see him as a bearded elderly man, quite grumpy. And, you know, he almost, um, if, if you guys are familiar with the archetype of Saturn, the planet, it's very similar to the North Wind. So what is this wind good for? First, it has a very, very big, very well built out connection with ice. Um, or Isa, the rune of the Nordic pantheon, uh, the Nordic Futark. Um, so if you guys are, you know, familiar with that rune, um, or if you're in general, just, you know, um, if you think about the um, element of ice, um, it is all about freezing something. So obviously the Nordic winds, the north wind generally takes its root in the north. Right? That's where it blows from. So the north wind is also the zeroing of the energies. It is kind of, it symbolizes winter. And winter is the time where everything goes to sleep to be rebirthed on the other side, hopefully when the spring comes. So that is your north wind. It's the winter timing. So what can the north wind help with? Anything that you need to freeze over. Let's say it is a disease that is progressing rapidly and you no longer want the disease to progress. You can work with the north wind to help slow the disease down and ice it over. Um, that could be one. Um, the north wind is also really good. Actually, most of the wind energies are really, really good at bringing about change. 
it's the kind of change that they're bringing that is potentially worth exploring. The North Wind is really good at bringing about the type of change where it is able to remove suboptimal things away from your life. Whether that is an obstacle, whether that is a relationship, any struggle that you have, any impediment, you can call in on the North Wind to remove those obstacles. Um, because it is the older, it is also one of the stronger winds of the four. And definitely way, way stronger than some of the minor winds. What does that mean? It means that literally, when it blows at full force, it can blow away any impediment, right? And that is how you can use its pretty unique power in order to um, you know, move through certain tough situations in your life. So that is the North Wind. Um, then the next wind that, you know, people of the old, so essentially when you would, you know, in, in the cultures, in societies, let's say, in you know, a lot of them were tribal cultures that used to honor the wind, they would very often start with the grandfather of the winds, the north wind, and then they would move almost like in a clockwise direction. Next, they would introduce themselves to the east wind, then the south wind, and they would finish it up with the west wind. The second wind is the east wind, and that symbolizes spring in terms of season. So we're going from winter to spring. This is also the youngest of the winds. This is kind of your divine child archetype, the east wind. So he's like the young boy uh, of about 12, 12 to 14 years old is how I would describe their age, whereas the north wind is more like in, you know, in his 80s. Um, your east wind is in, in his teens, really. Um, give or take. And so the East Wind is really good about, like, is really good to work with and to connect with when you need to start a new project. Anything that you're, you know, creating the seeds for, anything that you want to establish a really, really good ground base for. It's kind of like, almost like the new moon energy, if you know what I mean, if you work with the moon energies, you know exactly what I mean. Uh, it's, it's one of the forces that helps you grow things. It is one of the forces that help you kind of like um, help ground your intention as well as nurture your intentions. So anytime you require any type of growth, whether that is growth in your salary, growth in your business, uh, the progress of your relationships, uh, the progress of your career, you know, whatever that is, you may want to talk to the East Wind. Um, the East Wind is... It has its positives and it has its negatives. Um, the positives is that it likes to move fast. It's very quick. It is a quick decision maker. It's actually one, it's the easiest wind to befriend because every elemental is actually quite temperamental. I don't, I'm not sure I've told you that before, right? Every elemental actually has a choice of whether they want to work with you or they don't. It's completely up to them. Nobody, and I mean, nobody can make an elemental work with you or help you unless an elemental truly and legitimately wants to do that. Why would an elemental want to help you? Very often, there's something about you that may resonate with that elemental. Um, something about your character, something else that they like about your history. Um, as I mentioned in my previous episode about the fire elementals, they're also judging you by the crystal that you have in your higher heart around your thymus area, which is an etheric crystal, an energy crystal, that essentially gives them access to your Akashic records. And it's a full-blown uh, you know, access meaning instead of like going through every single record that the Akashic records have on you, this crystal is going to have a sum total of your energies. And that makes it really, really easy for any type of elemental that comes into contact with you to understand who you are and what you're all about, right? Because they're essentially just looking at the vibrations of the crystal, the color um, and the aura of that crystal, and they can tell everything about you, right? So it's very easy for them to make a spur of the moment decision on whether they want to work with you or not. So the east wind tends to be the type of wind energy, the kind of wind energy that is the easiest to befriend. It is the least judgmental one, unlike the north wind, who is the most judgmental one. The old wind, uh, sorry, the north wind, tends to favor older souls. And by that, I just mean the, the souls that um, have been around for, you know, longer and potentially are a little bit more developed. Whereas the east wind doesn't really discriminate. And so it just, you know, it, the east wind himself, um, and I'm going to use he 
again, because I told you that the spirit is masculine. The East Wind himself is very excited about growing things and it also has a little bit of ADHD. It's kind of like how um, I would describe that energy. So it likes all kinds of things. As long as you give it stuff to do, it's going to like want to help you grow and it's going to want to help you achieve things. And, um, you know, as long as you're not asking it to remain the same and, and help you maintain something, that is not what this wind is all about. So the good news is this wind is really friendly, for the lack of a better word. The bad news is it's also, it doesn't have a really good attention span. So it's actually really, really hard to get the east wind to be a forever ally. And you have to keep reconnecting with it because it also forgets things easily. And so you have to come back and kind of like remind him who you are and that you have a relationship. It's a little bit of that, which is actually quite rare for elementals. Most elementals remember you very, very well, but east wind, not so much. Okay, moving on. The next one is the south wind. And the season here is summer. And that is about a middle-aged wind. So um, this wind is, you know, in his 30s, 40s. A little bit nondescript in terms of age, but kind of like middle age like this. Um, and, wow, so this wind um, is also the closest I would, um, that the winds come to like being androgynous. So this one, you know, yes, technically is a masculine spirit. Um, but, you know, he's very close to the middle of the spectrum between masculine and feminine. So very often he, he may appear as a she, actually, not to confuse you guys. But if you start working with his energies, you, you would know exactly what I mean. And by the way, anybody who starts working with these elementals are going to, you know, is going to see roughly the same thing that I'm describing, right? Because we are talking particular energies and we are talking... You know, it's um, these are the beings that exist, right? So your interactions with them um, and your perception of them should be very similar to what I'm describing. So the south, the south wind, um, is the wind that actually really decides whether you are going to reap the benefits and collect the harvest when the time comes. I like to think of it as the wind of the pinnacle of something the culmination of something, the core crux of something, right? It's the, that energy of like um, being in your prime. Um, this wind actually um, it likes hard. So the things that it likes and, you know, what are some of the things that may make it want to work with you? This wind likes hard workers and it is a stickler for justice. So it likes, or he likes, or she likes, you know, like this one I'm calling an it. Um, I just caught myself because he's really close to that middle of the spectrum. So essentially he is a stickler for justice, right? And balance. And so that is why prior to you being able to have the harvest, which happens in the fall, it is really the summer that decides whether that, you, you know, your sprouts are truly going to take root and uh, bring you a lot of harvest or not, right? And it's a little bit of the, the judgy archetype, actually. Um, so very often, again, it loves hard work. It loves true determination. It loves people who are willing to just go for it um, and that don't give up. So it really loves people who are go-getters, hustlers, this is your kind of wind. So when the wind is uh, blowing from the south, it generally carries forward the boats that would have already reached their destination anyhow, if that makes sense, right? So it speeds things up, speeds things up that are already going right. If you need things to change course or change direction, the south wind is not your buddy. Um, your east wind is probably your, you know, your better, your, your better bet. However, if you already are on track, the south wind can help you amplify things. So he is the great amplifier. He's also the one that is the closest connected to the energy of the sun. So whatever properties the sun has, the south wind would have to some degree as well. So that is the property of manifestation. 
the property of self-confidence, right? Really pure masculine energies, having direction in life, knowing where you're going in life, knowing how to get there, being very logical, etc., etc., etc. So that's your south wind. And again, um, having a connection with the south wind is really important in the middle of your project, whatever project that is, whether you're halfway through school, you know, whether you are, you know, you already started a project, but you haven't quite taken it to fruition, establishing a relationship with the south wind could actually really help you amplify the success of that project and bring the fruit and the harvest sooner. So amplify and speed things up. Um, that is the south wind is actually extremely impatient. Um, and, you know, another thing that um, this wind is good for is actually it, it does have purifying properties like any fire. Uh, and I know that that's, you know, the wind is air. But what I mean by that is remember how I told you that this wind has the connection to the sun. And so in the old days, um, this wind would emerge um, during the hottest season of the year. Right. So it's the hot wind. It's. I don't know if you've, you guys have ever been to the desert, but it's the kind of wind that almost like burns your skin when it hits you. It's that kind of wind. That's always the south wind. Um, and so it can be quite scorching, but because it is scorching, it has the properties of fire of purification. So it could also help purify an egregore, an energetic structure, a project, you know, anything, any unit. Um, that is what the south wind is good for. Moving on to the west wind. The west wind is um, the fall season. So on the one hand, it's the harvesting. It's the reaping of what you saw. Um, it is also the reckoning and the true judgment. But the judgment that kind of comes after the fact, not in the middle of the game. Whereas the south wind is deciding whether you should get the harvest or not. The west wind is drawing up the tally of everything that you did to get to this point. So the West Wind is all about completing the cycle. The West Wind is all about putting the full stop at the end of the sentence. It's about dotting your I's and crossing your T's. The West Wind is really, really important to call on or into when you're ending a large cycle of your life or a big relationship for you because it'll do two things. First, it would enable you to walk out of a situation having learned 100% of everything that you were meant to learn in it. That is why another thing the West Wind is, it is the wind of karma. It is something that helps you bring things to a close. Close down the loops, tie all the ends, you know, again, make sure that something is in full completion to, you know, to the best, to, to your benefit and to the benefit of others. And the other thing it'll help you do is release, right? Not only does it help you finish the cycle, it also helps you release the energies that no longer belong. Let's say it is a relationship. The West Wind is going to help you release all of the things and let go of all of the things that no longer serve you, that are no longer meant to stay with you as you're moving away from that relationship. So anytime you close a project down or not a project, Anytime you're coming to a completion of something in your life, it could be a really healing practice for you to reach out to the West Wind so that the West Wind could guide you through the process of completion. The West Wind is also extremely healing when you're going through the, um, the period of mourning a loved one or a loss of any kind, you know, anything from your house burned down to you know, whatever loss, you lost the friendship, you know, it doesn't really matter, right? Whatever loss you're going through, and definitely if you're going through mourning, the kind of wind that's going to help you deal with it is the West Wind. Because it understands what it takes to move through the ebbs and flows and re-emerge on the other side as healed as is humanely possible. So this energy is really, really, really good to call in on when you are, you know, feeling desperate, when you're feeling like you cannot get through a tough period in your life, because it, it really helps relieve and the pressure and release the negativity around you. So those are the wins. Now, of course, the best, um, 
the best thing is to be able to have a relationship with each of the four. However, you know, if you befriend one, you don't necessarily befriend the other. So I think that you you should probably start with a kind of wind that resonates with you the most, right? The ones, you know, the, the, the one that created the most resonance in your physical body, um, as I was telling you about the winds. And this is the one that you should try to connect with at first. Um, one note here. If you're trying to connect with the energies of the wind, you may want to do this outside. The winds and in general air elementals, sylphs, prefer nature. They are not big fans of the cities. They love nature, especially the mountains, because that is where the air is the cleanest, right? Where the air is the most ozonic, where the air is the most pure. And air elementals are purists in the way that, for instance, earth elementals are not, right? They're on the very opposite sides of the spectrum as far as cleanliness and purity is concerned. Earth elementals, yeah, kind of could care less depending on who they are. Air elementals, crazy purists. They can get pretty emotional if the air is polluted. Um, you know, they hate any kind of toxic fumes. So if you're just starting to work with the energies of these elementals, I actually highly recommend that you go outside um, and ideally you take a trip in nature. And then you want to take the time, actually like this exercise, standing up, not sitting down. And you would stand up and you would stretch your arms out and you would welcome the wind in. Now, of course, for this practice, you may want to pick a windy day, but you would be surprised even on a day that is not windy. The moment you put an intention out to start working with the wind elementals, the wind may start blowing out of nowhere. The wind is going to come. And so first, you just want to invite the wind into your zone to work with your energies. And then, you know, it, it is actually entirely possible that one of the winds is going to naturally select you. One thing that I don't want you to think, actually, which is now like a little bit of the feedback that I'm getting from the collective is this. If I'm doing this in the summer, does, does it mean that the south wind is going to come? No, absolutely not. Any season, any of the four winds can come, you guys. And sometimes more than one show up at the same time. And because of that, right, you just want to be open to receive whatever comes through. So as the winds are blowing, right, first, you know, again, depending on your level of psychic perception, you would want to invite the wind in. And then whatever wind shows up, you may ask the wind of, you know, what kind of wind showed up. One of the four generally is going to show up. And that is actually a really, really good sign for you of which wind wants to work with you and which wind is most interested in becoming your ally. Elementals are incredibly intuitive. And so when you're starting to, you know, have a practice like this one, you they know that you've started it and whatever happens after you you do the ritual the um wind ritual or during the wind ritual it is no longer random because it is guided by those spirits that you're trying to reach out to what are some of the things that are important to bring to the ritual the wind likes getting a gift one of and by the way it has all kinds of different things that, you know, it likes getting. But in this particular instance, um, the wind, um, what's coming through, um, you know, from the uh, wind elementals as I'm telling you this, I have to factor in their wishes. And what they're telling me right now is that they would like a ribbon, like a small piece of a ribbon. Just one or two inches is plenty. And it can be a thin ribbon or like a thick ribbon, doesn't really matter. And it could be one of three colors. They either want like a small, like a small piece of white ribbon, a small piece of light blue ribbon, or a small piece of red ribbon. These are the three colors that they would like to receive as a gift. And it's more just a gesture, right? Like if you're showing up to a ritual, introducing yourself to an elemental, 
understanding that there are a being and just because they're not corporeal doesn't mean that they're not real and just because you've never heard of this before again also doesn't mean that this is not real right generally coming with gifts is the right thing to do and essentially what you would want to do is you would want to put the ribbon in the palm of your hand or hands right and allow the wind to take it right so if the wind takes the ribbon and you know blows it away that means that your gift has been received and if there is no wind and nobody's picking up your ribbon try another day you know probably the day is wrong or maybe the location is wrong try changing location as well um yeah and other things that are really really good to bring for you for the ritual are essential oils air elementals love essential oils your connection with the air elementals actually also is heavily dependent on your sense of smell, right? That kind of like off the, off the physical senses, it would live, you know, that connection is in your nose, right? So your respiratory system is incredibly tied to this element. So anything that you can smell, anything that emits a beautiful fragrance or scent is something that every single air elemental is going to want to interact with so bring your favorite essential oils they love the citruses they love the florals the florals are probably their favorite so any type of essential oil that has a flower they love jasmine they love rose they love lotus i mean honestly you can't go wrong with any flower even if you bring them the most nondescript flower they're still going to be happy so they really love the florals and they love flowers in general. So if you want to bring a couple of petals with you for the ritual, that's going to be cool as well. All right. I feel like I, I spent all this time just talking to you about the wind. We have so much uh, still to get through. All right. So why don't we move on? And uh, the next one are what I would call air sprites. Now, sprite is just a, another name for spirit. And frankly, like I said, the um, etymology, the, the words that exist or that remains, shall I say, in the human language, in the human tongue, as it relates to elementals, are far and in between. So any type of language around this is not going to be great. So for the lack of a better word, and in order to not have to create and recreate the wheel and create 10,000 other different terms, um, let's just call these air sprites. So air sprites are beings um, of air, that essentially fill up, um, yeah, fill up the, the space around you. They range in size. Um, air sprites, again, it's a very general term. Air sprites range from just a couple of millimeters um, up to, uh, to 10 feet. 10 feet is about as high as they go, as tall as they go. Um, with about your average air sprite being between one foot and three foot tall, if you will. Now, um, they have humanoid forms, although they never are corporeal, right? In other words, they may um, emerge and, and take a humanoid form that you may be able to um, identify with your third eye. But most of them just travel in kind of like... Um, Shapes that are similar to clouds, to be honest, without them being white. So they're almost like spheres of air or clumps of air or orbs of air, globules of air, however you want to think of that. Um, and, that and they kind of like they float around you and they really impact the quality of air around you. For instance, if you have a really, really good relationship with air sprites, they would really protect your space quite a lot. Meaning, even if you are in a place where the air, or the quality of air is suboptimal, um, they may protect you. Uh, for instance, like let's imagine you're in a big city. You live in a big city. Although air sprites don't love big cities, but hey, they still have to be there. Somebody has to, you know, provide the air for everybody living in the big city. So the air sprites have to show up. That being said, you know, if you are the one that has a good relationship with them, even if you are on the street with a bunch of cars, with all these toxic fumes, etc., etc., 
they almost like surround you and they create a shield around you without you even knowing. And your quality of air will be better comparatively speaking. You know, if you were to compare it to somebody, um, you know, right next to you that doesn't have such a good relationship. In other, wor- in other words, the quality of air that you're breathing in is only partially related to the, let's say, ecological situation and geographical situation, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and almost more related to the kind of relationship you have with the air elementals, air sprites in this particular instance. Other things are also related to your relationship with air sprites. Um, how often you get respiratory disease? If the answer is a lot, that means that there is something about it that is unhealed. Very often, it is some karmic knot, actually, that has to do with either an air elemental or air as an element that you haven't fully healed. And so it would manifest itself in a respiratory disease. What could be an example of that? Any karma around communication or sharing your voice, a self-expression, everything that has to do with your throat chakra, actually. And for the people that have their throat chakra blocked, the number one thing, the number one elemental group that you need to work with are the air elementals. Everything that has to do with your voice. How does your voice come across? Do people listen to you? That's another thing, right? Because there are some people, when they speak, nobody listens. And then there are other people, when they speak, everybody listens. So that quality of being compelling as a speaker is actually not just your charisma. It's partially your charisma. And the other part is how your voice is tuned up to be received. And who does the tuning up? Air sprites, right? So air sprites would be working with you as you're growing up, unbeknownst to you to shape and mold how your self-expression comes through. Very often, even if you befriend one or a couple of air sprites on your journey to self-expression and healing your throat area, they're going to be able to assist you in a journey. And, you know, once you learn to communicate with them, they would even provide specific advice on, for you on how to unblock your throat area, for you on how to... Um, express yourself more fully, how to be empowered and feel empowered to speak your truth. All of that is air sprite energy. So that is really, really important. Um, another thing that um, the these elementals, air sprites command, is your, um, well, be- because they run air, they run the music, right? So your enjoyment of music, your ability to receive sound healing as a modality, you know, what kind of music you listen to, etc., etc. A lot of those things are going to be determined by your relationship with the air elementals. Very often your sound healers or the people that love sound healing have a great relationship with the air elementals. And then you may have a good relationship with some but not others. You know these gongs um, that people have sometimes during, like the sound healer sometimes would have? If you don't love the sound of the gong, there is, it's like one of the signs that there's something that is disbalanced in your relationship with air elementals. Um, Or if you don't like the sound of the sound bowls, same thing here, right? Because all of those are actually quite healing sounds and if you're not able to receive those very high vibrational frequencies that means that you have issues or inconsistencies or karma and very often it's ancestral karma right it's not even you um it's that ancestral karma that needs to be cleaned and healed before you would be able to receive that medicine because not everybody is able to receive the you know every healing modality And for people that have a suboptimal relationship with sylphs and air sprites, it would be hard to receive sound healing. They would just like listen to it like a bunch of noise and then they would walk out and be like, I'm, you know, I feel the same after the sound healing experiences as I I did prior, right? And then you have people that are completely on the opposite side of the spectrum and, and feel like they were born anew, you know, with this experience. So you have... You know, again, people with a very optimal relationship with the air sprites and people with a suboptimal relationship with the air sprites. Another thing, 
if you have a fear of air, meaning a fear of flying or a fear of heights, and by flying, I mean the airplane. I don't think there's any other flying, is there? Um, if you're scared of airplanes, dying in an airplane crash, or just scared of heights, you know, sometimes in large cities when they have skyscrapers, sometimes you would have these, um, you know, rooms where the floor is see-through. Like the people that have panic attacks just thinking about going in that don't necessarily have a good relationship with um, air elementals. If you would never jump off with, a, you know, with a parachute or any of that, or even if when you are on the plane and you hate looking, you know, out of the window, um, these are all examples and, and you know, kind of like giveaways, dead giveaways, that there is something for you to heal over here. Now, if you want to slowly get over your fear of the element of air and therefore flying on the airplane, and again, unfortunately, I won't be able to... Um, give you one advice, a piece of advice is going to cover 100% of the cases. Uh, because for some of you, this is past life trauma. And, you know, past life trauma ain't going to be healed by you talking to an elemental. I hate to say this, but let's say you're not the person that has past life trauma around this. Um, it would be actually easier for you to get comfortable around flying if you could build a trusted relationship with air sprites, and trust me, they want to build that relationship with you. And then when um, you have that relationship, they have these air sprites have the ability to protect you because they run the show when you're up in the air. And because they run the show, you are going to be fully protected. And more often than not, these elementals that you have a good relationship with are going to walk you through, you know, that whole process and, you know, give you comfort almost like stay in your head for the duration of the flight, letting you know what's happening, you know, any type of turbulence, the why and everything. So highly recommend befriending air elementals if you are worried of flying. Um, another way, actually, so now, now let's talk about improving like the relationship with air elementals and like what are the ways of getting there? Purifying, let's start with purifying the air in your apartment or your place of work, right? Purifying and humidifying the air, right? Getting house plants to purify the air around you and taking care of the house plants, right? Because air elementals, they really have a symbiotic relationship with the plant kingdom. Um, from, you know, flowers to bushes to trees, grasses, you name it. The entire plant kingdom um, are allies, great allies of the air elementals. And so they really don't take it too well when you are abusing their buddies and their friends, right? If you just accidentally hurt a tree or cut down the tree without, you know, the necessary feeling like of gratitude or asking for permission. If you just go around, you know, the block ripping flower heads off the stems and, you know, just being careless with the plant kingdom or unintentional or hurtful to the plant kingdom, you're going to start developing karma around, um, you know, you, you, with the plant kingdom as well as the air elementals. Because again, it is a symbiotic relationship. So one breeds the other, one feeds the other, right? So taking care of your house plants, you know, making sure that actually planting trees or planting a tree could be a really, really good intentional ritual to start healing that relationship. Uh, quitting smoking if you are smoking or any type of other pollution of the air. Um, unfortunately, the gas that you put in the car is not something that the air elementals enjoy. So they would probably much rather you had an electric car, if if I'm being honest. So, and in general, like if you're driving a lot, um, they're not big fans of that, again, because it pollutes the air. If you're using a lot of aerosols, they don't really love aerosols, especially the, the ones that have a nasty smell like hairspray. Um, I'm, you know, listen, this is not to tell you that, okay, now you have to give up hairspray and driving because those are extremes, you guys. And that's what I'm getting from the collective. Like, should we not have a car now? That's not what it is. I'm just like giving you the full spectrum and providing you all the, you know, all the things that these elementals love and they don't love. By the way, if you're going to really start making an effort and the first, the first and foremost thing is to really talk to them, you know, 
again, use automated writing if you don't hear things in your head, that's totally fine. Um, you know, and, and I've mentioned this technique, the automated writing so many times, and I'm, this time I'm not going to explain how to do it. Um, in other words, if you start treating them like they're real beings, despite them being invisible, you're going to notice that they are extremely prone to forgiving you and cutting you some slack. So just remember that and know that. So don't be prescriptive even with yourself. And again, everything that I'm saying, especially around relationship with elementals, is meant to be gestural, right? It's not a hard and fast rule. It's not the Bible. It is mere a suggestion. Some people are going to need 10 things to do 10 things off the list. And other people are going to need to do half a thing on the list to get what they, they're trying to go. It all depends on your personal relationship with these elementals, on your personal karma and your ancestors' karma dealing with these folks. Um, again, like I said, they love essential oils. So anytime you're working with essential oils, now I'm back to giving you suggestions. If you, you know, if, if you, <laughs> you know, I'm switching topics really quickly here, uh, but going back to what else you could do to build those relationships. They really love essential oils. They, um, love, yeah, when you have nice fragrances, um, there's no like, again, hard and fast rule around what fragrances they enjoy. Um, but let's just say they like um, tasty smells when you're preparing food. And, you know, so and, and, and the opposite, like they, the opposite is also true, right? Like they hate the smell of something that's burnt, right? Um, which is not to say that they hate fire elementals because air elementals and fire elementals are buddies and they play very well together. So if you're burning a fire, the air elementals are not going to have a problem with that. But for instance, if you burned a steak on a pan they're not gonna quite love it and they you know in general they I don't think they they would take too well to you um you know prepping meats anyhow because meat doesn't smell good to them uh, when it's being cooked um okay another thing that I will tell you if you want to improve the relationship with the air sprites going to mountainous areas and staying there for a prolonged amount of time and doing breath work ideally combined another thing right is yoga yoga really helps you balance out a lot of things but one of them is your relationship with the air elementals and the element of air so going to a mountainous area with you know high altitudes is potentially challenging right and if you really are getting to those areas and you you get out of breath really quickly again there is an opportunity for you to improve your relationship with the element of air. If you're not able to hold your breath um, for, you know, a while, you know, maybe longer than the average, this is also, you know, another dead giveaway. That means that your lungs are not functioning properly. And again, um, those are all correlated to not having a great relationship with the elementals of air. But breath work is going to get there, um, get you there very, very quickly. So even if you don't do anything else, and you just take breath work as a practice. It doesn't even have to be daily, maybe weekly. You know, one 10, 15 minute session of intentional breath work could really help you fix your relationship with air sprites. All right. Moving on, I think. Um, why don't we talk about the muses next the muses are an interesting super fascinating class of air elementals um, remember how i told you that everything that has to do with self-expression is very much controlled by the air elementals so creativity is no different especially if we're talking like high level creativity something that you feel inspired to create. And, you know, especially if it, it feels like you're in the flow, like you're creating in the flow. Um, one type of air elemental that's going to help you create masterpieces are the muses. Now, um, the muses actually, if you, you know, if you start um, Googling them, um, 
what's in the collective is well most people don't believe the muses are real let's start there but for the ones that you know are somehow admitting that they may be real um they think of them as the greek goddesses you know it's just like okay there was a pantheon there were the muses and they died and now there's nobody so um there are nine most important muses Although there are nine secondary muses as well that predominantly work with the energies of planet Earth. So there are 18 muses total. They all were daughters of a Greek goddess, Mnemosyne, who was the goddess of, you know, memory, among other things. She's also the goddess of flowers. She's the goddess of the song. Mnemosyne is wonderful. Uh, she's very nurturing. She has very, very wonderful motherly energies. So Mnemosyne had a lot of daughters. And because she was a patron of the arts, she commissioned her daughters to work with humanity to create more art. And then she gave them specialties. And so um, Nemazine has nine, like I said, um, very well-known daughters. And then she has others that are lesser known. And so collectively, these 18 muses are working with humanity up to this day, right? They actually didn't go anywhere. Neither are they go goddesses, for that matter. The muses are actually air elementals. Um, and Nemesine herself is very much connected to the element of air uh, because memory is actually connected to the element of air as well and the Akashic records. So the reason I love the muses is because there is a very, very practical way for you to work with them. Uh, whereas I think working with the winds can be a little bit more esoteric in nature. And I think the same could be true about air sprites. Muses are extremely, extremely instrumental. Because one of the reasons that they were created in the first place is to assist and support humanity in its creative endeavors. Whether you are a writer, whether you are a painter, a musician, a composer... Even if you are, let's say, like an architect or a designer or a dancer or a singer, a director of movies, an actress, it doesn't really matter, like anything in the creative field, makeup artist, you know, I could keep going, right? In order to create true masterpieces, in order to create things that have never been done before, in order to elevate your craft, you need inspira inspiration, but not just inspiration. Um, the muses are actually, so they're, um, let me maybe rewind. Um, the muses are all female. Um, they are, um, technically speaking, if they're going to be interacting with you, they are about five inches long and, um, they're very thin. So they kind of look like little fairies, but they don't have any wings and they just float in space, kind of like almost like they would float in a bubble. Sometimes they come in a bubble and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just they would just float up. And they are very it's very easy to see them with your third eye. So the thing with the muses is very often the muse selects you. You don't select the muse. And in order for you actually to make sure that you have the muse that's going to be a patron um, and that's going to help you get to that state of creative flow and get you out of the stuck zone. Um, so one easy way to get there is actually to build a relationship with our mother. So Mnemosyne um, is a deity. Um, a deity that, um, you know, she's largely forgotten these days. Because of that, it's actually really the good news, right? If you start calling in on her in your meditation, she's definitely gonna come because she's not that busy. And because she's not that busy, you almost have an in. And I kid you not, guys, this could be your competitive advantage. Like if you think this is woo-woo, just give it a shot. Give it a try. So connect to Mnemosyne in a meditation is what you should do. And ask her to, you know, essentially tell her about yourself and the creative endeavor that you're working on. And by the way, a business is also a creative endeavor, if, if that helps. Um... You know, um, it, it all depends, right? If you want to be inspired in business, for instance, you're 
changing something, you're shifting something, you're innovating, you're disrupting space. That is all a creative process, right? And so you can talk to Memazine and she's going to help you by assigning one of her daughters to be a muse. Then you get to meet that muse. And you always want to find out what her name is and what kind of projects she generally helps with. And, you know, you can also ask the muse the questions of what she believes is most in the way of you creating a masterpiece or, you know, uh, working on the project that you're working on. You know, what are the impediments and how she can help, right? So essentially every relationship between the creator and the muse is unique. There's no one template. There's no white, r one right way of doing it. There's no wrong way of doing it for that matter either. However, it is all about establishing the relationship with that muse. Very often when you are in the process of creation, prior to sitting down, and le let me maybe give you an example with a writer. Let's say there is a writer. The muses are actually especially amazing if you're a fiction writer. If you're a nonfiction writer, and let's say you're writing a dictionary, maybe the muse is not the most important thing for you, right? There may be other elementals that are a little bit more preferable for you to work with. However, for anything that's truly creative, like composing a song or, I don't know, thinking, uh, like writing a script for a movie or anything that you like, it's not a very logical process, your muse is your helper. So the first thing is before you're sitting down to write, and let's use that example of a writer, you every single time, if you're writing every day, you would want to do this every single day. But once a day is fine. You don't need to like redo it 60 times a day you would ask your muse to come and you would call in on her by using her name. Such and such, you know, I'm ready to write. Could you please assist in the process? And then you want to close your eyes and wait for a couple of minutes for the muse to do her work. Now, she generally shows up right away. They would show up right away. However, they may need to make certain energetic alignments actually in your body so that your body is able to receive the flow. Very often, this is chakra work. So unbeknownst to you, they're going to be aligning your chakras. And they're going to be aligning your chakras towards the middle so of your body, so right along your spinal cord. Now, granted, you can do it yourself or you can use the muse. And then they do other things, right? Very often they need to, they would need to set up your crown chakra space because that is where you get your inspiration from, truly, for like innovative things, right? So they may do work around your head area. And again, they're quite small and so they float around you and, you know, they, they help you with all those things. And then very often when you start creating, they actually sit on your shoulder. Uh, the muses prefer to sit on your right shoulder, just FYI. And so essentially they would just sit on, on the shoulder. They don't weigh anything. So, you know, and they're just going to be guiding you through the process. I kid you not, some of the best, and I, I mean the best masterpieces of humanity have been created because the muses were participating. Now, was it a conscious, you know, decision on the part of the creator every single time? Absolutely not. However, you know, um... If you don't want to wait around and see if a muse selects you out of the goodness of her heart, and if you want to make the process of creation a little bit more intentional, then it's actually highly advisable for you to introduce yourself to the muse and get her to help you knowingly, intentionally, instead of just saying, well, I don't know, maybe the muse is going to select me or spending day after day after day having writer's block or whatever other creative block that you have, if you know what I mean. Okay, I wanted to see, there are other elementals that I want to talk to you about in the air kingdom, but I feel this is kind of getting long and I promise myself that I'm going to start making these shorter. So why don't we move really quickly to the Q&A section around the air elementals, anything that I spoke about today or anything that I didn't speak of today. Um, if you have a question around this topic. I am ready to receive the question as long as it serves the collective. The question is, um, you mentioned all the ways that I can tell that my relationship with air elementals is suboptimal. 
what are some of the ways to heal it outside of the ones that you have already named? Okay, I guess we can go deeper on the healing side. Um, another way of working with the air elementals could be working with your throat chakra. So any type of meditation you do on your throat chakra and in general, working with the energies of color blue or color white. So whether you're working with blue flame or you're working with white flame, or for instance, you're just working and doesn't have to be the flame, right? But for instance, you're calling those colors into your vicinity, into your auric field that is going to help you. That is going to help you build that relationship. Um, finding your voice and getting comfortable around expressing your voice can also help you build a stronger relationship with the elementals inadvertently and with the element of air. If you don't feel liberated enough, if you don't feel comfortable enough or confident enough to talk and express yourself with you know, a spoken word, then another way to start healing that center is to write things out, right? Writing is always a precursor because writing t still takes you through that process of self-expression and, you know, it's just going to remain on paper. It doesn't have to be fully given to another human being, right? And then also reading your own communication. Another really cool way that I love, like that I have around healing your relationship with your word healing your relationship with the element of air is this when you're going through something that's let's say very emotional but you don't feel like you can communicate or there is nobody in your life maybe you don't have a best friend or maybe i mean a lot of people don't have a therapist a lot of people don't have a spouse that's just available to listen to their emotional turmoil for three hours a day you know if you don't have that but you're going through a lot and by the way a lot of you guys are going through a lot right now so I'll give you credit for that. Um, take out one of the voice recording apps on your phone and just record a stream of consciousness type of audio. However long that takes, just get things off your chest. You would be surprised how good it feels. But there is a second part to this practice. Re-listen to your own recording. So first you would communicate and then you would re-listen to the same recording so that would also enable you to feel like you have been heard. And frankly, the most important person that could hear you is you, right? Very often when we feel unheard or suppressed, it's because a part of ourselves is rejecting our own communication. It's not something else. It's not anything else, right? So the simple act of hearing yourself speak can do wonders for your self-expression, can do wonders for your communication. And again, breath work is also very important. If breath work sounds too fancy or it sounds like you're going to have to go through multiple schools or find yourself a guru, don't worry about that. Then just practice simple breaths. Um, you can do a simple exercise of chakral breaths. All that is, is breathing in dip deeply into each of your chakras one by one. So you would be inhaling and on the inhale, you would send the air down to your root center and then you would exhale and then you would do the same thing and send send it to the next chakra up so to your sacral and so you would go through all the seven chakras right and that would be your one full loop of breath and then you can do the same thing one more time the same thing one more time the same thing one more time One thing I, you didn't ask me about, but I wanted to talk about here is Claire Aliens. Claire Aliens is one of the Claire's and it's essentially the clear sense of smell, which is connected to your relationship with the element of air or the air elementals. Very often, if Claire Aliens opens up in your body or for you, it is because air elementals are sending you a big gift. So always know that this is a gift and always know that this is a great sign. Now, maybe about half a percent of humanity even has this gift, but I figured I would mention it anyway. What is Claire? I mean, a lot of people know what Claire audiences and clairvoyance is. Uh, not a lot of people really have experienced Claire aliens. Essentially, this is another way very often for air elementals. 
as well as some as well as some of your spirit guides to communicate to you some of the very important information. It could be that you would be sitting in a cafe or a library or something, and then it just smells really, really strange. But then if you ask some of the people around you, they may not sense anything. They're like, no, it smells fine. What do you mean, right? Um, very often, your clear aliens is going to make itself known through this kind of situations where you're the only one feeling a smell or sensing a smell, whether that is a positive or a negative smell, if that makes sense. Whether that is a pleasant or unpleasant smell, I should say, not positive, negative. Um, but I think you, you, you got me. Um, essentially, um, this is your own language. One thing I'll tell you about clear aliens is this. There is no dictionary that would enable you to understand what smelling something when it's not there, when there is no physical object that would smell that way means. It is your own language of communicating with air elementals, but it is always a consistent sign. For instance, if air elementals picked the smell of rotten garbage to denote the presence of demons so that you can smell it and get out of there, they would keep sending you the same exact smell for the same exact phenomena. And by the way, you can talk to them and ask them why they're sending you a certain type of smell. Very often they would send you a floral smell in places that are very optimal for you energetically or when your spirit guides are around or if the angels are around or you know if you're just meant to be. Smelling, sometimes smelling the mm, certain flowers, especially divine flowers like um, a lily or a rose or a lotus, can be the same thing as seeing 11, 11 on, um, on the clock, um, which essentially means that you're on alignment, you're on the path. So if you're making a decision and you're leading a certain way, all of a sudden the smell of roses comes out of no nowhere, it's probably the air elementals or your guides talking to you and they want you to know that the answer is yes. Let me take one more question from the collective around the air elementals or anything that we spoke about today. Um, let me know I'm ready to receive. How do we know? The question is, how do we know if we need to build a relationship with the wind elementals? Honestly, this is a choice. Uh, nobody really has to do anything, right? It is my greatest honor to tell you about the things that exist and to offer that up to you. Uh, and it is up, you know, essentially it would come down to your choice of what energies you want to interact with and what energies you don't. Generally speaking, right, not every single elemental connection is created equal. I've given you five different types of elementals in the episode about fire, and it may have been that absolutely zero of them resonated with you, and that's completely fine. And it may have been that all five resonated with you. Again, you would naturally already have a propensity for one or two or three elements. So let's start there, right? Um, if a particular element resonates with you and you love it naturally and you kind of know that about yourself, then you may choose to connect with as many elementals of that kingdom, if that makes sense, as possible, right? And if you're not resonating with air, then you can just take this as an FYI and never meet another, you know, um, air elemental in your life and that would be completely fine. I'm just, you know, letting you know what's available to you and from there, the world's your oyster. All right, my dear ones. I have so many more things to talk to you about as it relates to air elementals. We're going to have to do another episode on this. So um, I think that is it for today. Thank you for sticking around. Um, I hope this was helpful to you. And yes, we'll meet again for round two of, of this really soon. Thanks so much and take care. <laughs>